0: This is KMTT. This is Ezra Beck and I want to take a minute for my regular broadcasting because this week is the KMTT Appreciation Drive Week. Once a year and only once a year we take a few minutes from the regular broadcasting to appeal to our listeners who are the only source of support for KMTT. KMTT is a strictly 100% listener-supported uh, program. And therefore, we have no choice, but once a year, we have to appeal to you to show your appreciation if you have appreciated, if you've learned on this program. And you want the program to continue. To show it in a material manner. And therefore, we're uh, approaching, we're appealing to the listener base, to the KMTT Worldwide Community to take a few minutes this week to show the appreciation by supporting by giving donations, donations to keep the uh, keep the program going. And how much is KMTT worth to you? It depends on how much you can afford. Uh, I would say that that's just a basic membership fee for a year. It would be it would be nice if you could send us. and if you want to show your appreciation per share, I'd just like to remind you that there are over and something like 200 Shirim, 200 episodes a year, so 100 hours of programming. Coffee would be significant if we added up all those Shirim and the show, you know, give what you can and keep the program going. And I'm gonna give you two phone numbers one for the United States, one for Israel so that you can immediately call to get more information or to make your pledge. And of course, on the, on the net, you can also donate from, from our website at www.kimitzion.org www.kimitzion, And in New York, phone number is 212-732-4874 It's the number of Friends of Shabbat HaRetzion And in Israel, 52 052- And now back to our regular programming. This is KMTT and today's Thursday this Zman Choref Taf Shin A'in will be having a series by Rav Kalmin Newman on Society and halacha.
1: One of the things that we're going to talk about today is to try to sum up the different ways of relating to the laws of the state, as they appear both in the categories we've mentioned and in contemporary Psaac, and as I mentioned last time, there is a problem that very often the uh, halachic conclusions are not definitive and are somewhat eclectic. Uh, what we saw is that it's hard to define clear rules exactly which part of the contemporary legal system have halachic status. Especially, for example, if we use the category of din Mahuta dinah uh, which parts of legal system belong to the category of din and machutadina? And are part of the purview of the malchut, as opposed to things that perhaps our private law have to do with disputes between two people, and therefore we don't have to succumb to the din of malchuta. That, of course, is all based on the assumption that there is din of malchuta of Israel, which seems to be the dominant opinion. Some of the contemporary postkim have suggested that. Uh, There may be cases where we can say that we can assume that since the halacha did not deal with a certain case, then we are nechale, the halacha is uh, happy, the chachamim will accept the fact that there are takanot, that there are rules dealing with these subjects. This could give the decisions of the Knesset and the laws of the Knesset a status of takanot takahal and the tacit acceptance that these things exist would be considered the agreement of an Adam Chashuv. We mentioned before traffic laws, uh, we could also mention questions of labor law, that again are not specific in halacha, and are certainly done for the benefit of the general public, and some posts could have said that chachamim, the, the Chachamim are happy or agree that such six things exist, and if they didn't exist, they would have uh, instituted such out themselves if possible, so therefore uh, we can say that the rules of the Knesset are binding. Another example is Drenin Much of the tort law today uh, falls under the halachic category of grammar. We know the grammar of Patur, and therefore uh, it's beyond the scope of the Din Mamash the, of Niske However, uh, Rabbi Ram Shapiro wrote in a uh, piece in Tchumen that was based on a conversation with him, that in the case of Nezikin, it could be that since we know that the Torah itself thought that someone who damages Big Ramah should pay me Dine so the fact that we uh, institute today an obligation to pay should not be seen as something going against the Torah, but actually instituting the real intent or the deeper intent of the Torah, and therefore also such rules can be accepted as halakhically binding. The general problem we have here as a result of this, of course, is that we don't have clear rules exactly which part of the Israeli legal system is part of halakha, and which should not be treated as part of, of halakha, and therefore, theoretically, if we were to go before Beit Din, we would not know in advance what exactly, which part of the laws uh, are uh, relevant and which are not. Or even more seriously, let's say if I'm engaging in some kind of uh, contract, and some kind of deal, uh, in some kind of business transaction, how am I supposed to know what exactly are the legal rules that govern this al Torah? At the other extreme... If we accept the category of of mishpar ha-melech, theoretically, mishpar ha could include anything. The melech, uh, at least according to some opinions, has the right to transfer property from one to the other, and therefore any laws that the melech institutes for the good of the kingdom may be binding. And we mentioned before that one can certainly make a case that it is for the good of the kingdom that there be a system of law that is binding for everyone equally and not that everyone has their own system of law. And it could be that given the uh, population of Medinat Israel, in that it includes many, many Jews who are not Shomer Halacha, and it also includes non-Jews. So the establishment of a unified system of law, even if it's not Halacha, is part of Mishpat Melech. therefore should be binding, and therefore all of the laws of the state in that case would be included in Mishpat HaMelech. This has been suggested by a number of people, not to my knowledge by any outstanding post and of course, if we don't go that far, then we again are uh, stuck with the question of what yes and what not. Of course, the hesitance of poskim to accept some of these far-reaching approaches to include everything is Dina T'machut Adina or is Mishpat one of the major reasons that uh, post are hesitant to accept such a position is uh, echoing the words of the Ramah that we mentioned last time, and it appears also in the Chazamish. Rav Herzog also raises this point a number of times. Uh, the fact is that by doing this, we would, in effect, nullify the entire existence of Choshamish, but we would nullify the relevance of all of Dinei Amman shabbat Torah, Instead of incrementally right, trying to find areas in which we could apply them, or to leave some kind of uh, niches where Chosha Mishpat would be applicable, right, by such a blanket statement, this would give absolutely no motivation to try to have the laws of the state conform in a better way to the laws of Chosha Mishpat, even in those areas where there's no reason why they should not conform to Chosha Mishpat. And therefore, again, certainly the Polsky were hesitant to offer a situation which would be a blanket hetair to accept the laws of the state, carte blanche, uh, without any recourse or any acceptance of the need to have uh, uh, recognition of the halacha. Of course, rec- uh, recognizing halacha is also problematic, has been has been mentioned a lot of times, especially by uh, former Supreme Court Justice Engelard, who always said that the uh, fact that the Knesset would legislate a law based on the halacha or based on the Shulchan would not necessarily create an identity between the halacha and the laws of the state, because the interpretation of the laws would be done by the courts of the Medina. The courts of the Medina probably are psulei dayanim pi halacha, certainly the uh, many of the people, many of the judges in the courts are not Ksherim Ladun al Pihalacha. The entire procedure would not be al Pihalacha. So, therefore, even if the Knesset were to legislate laws that would be based on the Shulchan Aruch, that would not necessarily create an absolute identity between the laws of the state and the laws of Halacha. So, this is the dilemma that we are in. As I said, the post scheme uh, in general uh, have not created a situation where they're willing to accept in a blanket way all this, all the laws of the Medina, even those that are not explicitly against halacha, uh, to accept them as halachically binding. Occasionally you'll find statements like that, like statements in Rabbi Israeli at one point where he says that. So, for example, at the end of his article called Tokef Mishpatea Mluchabi Amenu that appeared... In *Hatorah Vamdei in the 50s, and it later was reprinted in a collection called *Betzom HaTorah he Nai*. He he concludes as follows: *Hinei kichen nifshat asafek shetranu bo shakol hasamchud shemotim b'melech hein binyanei mamonot bain binyanei nefashot ikaranovat me'askamata am ve'en l'samchuyot eile Sum gvulo mugdarim*. That all the authority that is in a melech, whether in monetary issues or in Dinena they're all based on the acceptance of the people, and whatever the people accepted, and therefore this is all given, all these authorities are given both to a government and to the head of the government, and there are no limitations to these authorities, as long as it's for tikkun olam, for the betterment of society, and as long as they work within the limits of the authority that was given to them by the people, then what they say is authoritative, both regarding the name Manot and the name of Manot. So that would seem to include absolutely everything. However, Lemaise, he did not uh, assume such a position. But although, as we'll see, other, other, at other times he says otherwise, so therefore it's hard to say in a general way. And of course, uh, as probably many of you know, we also have a very significant uh, dissonance between... What I've described till now and the reality, and the halachal <laughs> certainly the fact that uh, most people of Shormer Mitzvah engage in commercial activity and inevitably legal activity uh, based on the assumptions that uh, exist in the Medina. They do not avoid going to court. Uh, they're very respected and important from people who are lawyers, who are judges, or even judges in the Supreme Court. And we haven't seen that this is a thing that has been totally rejected by the uh, uh, Tibur as a whole. So here we have really a a great dissonance between one of the approaches or the predominant approach of the post and what really seems to be the practice among the broad religious community, which one could say if we wanted to be melamitzchuz, it seems that it accepts this notion that everything could be included in the machuta. Beyond the question of the laws of the Medina, there's also a question, as I hinted, of the question of the institutions or the courts of the Medina. How does that fit with the prohibition of Erchaot? How does that fit with the prohibition of eloh uh, Mishpatim Asher Tassim Lifnehem? That the uh, laws, uh, the the education of Halacha, of Dinei Mamanot, has to be done only within a Beit Smuchin, within a Beit Din, that is uh, uh, enabled the Torah to do that. In other words, beyond the questions of which laws are binding, we also have a question of what are the courts that should educate those laws. And here we have a problem, again, uh, that the courts obviously are not based on smochin and are not based on uh, people who judge according to the Torah, and is it permitted to appear before these courts. One of the approaches of many of the people who've tried to defend the use of such courts, uh, not surprisingly, very often people who themselves were judges in the Israeli court system, like the Judge Bazak or Supreme Court Justice uh, Menachem Melon, they uh, use the Argument that the Gemara and Sanhedrin mentions the possibility of a system called Ercha Otsu Basuria as an alternative legal system. That there could be judges who do not really judge Al-Pedin Torah, and since they are accepted by the parties, they can be used uh, for legal purposes. Uh, one criticism of using that uh, in our situation is that it's clear that Erechol basuria was used only in the case when there were no Tamdei Hamim, where there were no Dayanim who could be done al and therefore that was a replacement. But the criticism is, today it's applicable because there clearly are Bataydin that could educate those cases, and therefore having recourse to another Baydin is not proper. The... Uh, Reservations of the postkim about this are of a number uh, of reasons. One argument against accepting the claim that we have erchalcha besuria or that the present day courts can be considered erchalcha besuria is that erchalcha besuria did not judge according to a specific legal codex, but alpi omed hadad, just according to their uh, svarah, according to their logic, and therefore uh, they were not. Uh, seen as an active rebellion against Torah as such. Whereas, a system of law that replaces Torah, that cannot be accepted even if the two parties agree to judge according to this foreign system. That, again, is prohibited because it is, again, a rebellion to slap in the face, as it were, to halacha itself. On the other hand, the Me'iri does mention... uh, it seems a possibility to see erchaotcha besuria in another way. His lesson is: he says erchaotcha besuria shelo hayu b'kiin Torah. Who are not knowledgeable in d'In Torah, ela La la'omer hadat uvechukim Venimusim. They judge according to their uh, assertion, to what they, their personal judgment, and according to laws and standards and nomoi. So. It would seem to be, uh, as at least some people have explained, that according to the Miri, indeed, we're talking about a court that accepts some type of kukim v'nimasim, that has an alternative system of law, and nevertheless, accepting such system of law is legitimate. As I mentioned, uh, indeed, most contemporary poskim, I would say almost all contemporary poskim who write their piske'elacha and publish their piske'elacha, do not accept that argument, and they see it that in questions of ben dama of disputes between two people, not of questions of public law, but questions of disputes between two people, then such disputes should be brought to Din Torah, to a beydin, a uh, religious Beitin of Talmud Echamim, and they should educate the dispute, even if it could be that such a beydin may take the Chokah Medina into account in certain areas. Right? So we will have a dispute about uh, labor law, then certainly a Beidin of Tamdei Hamim will take the laws of the Medina into account, whether they see it as the Mahuta or as Takanata or as the Minhag or, or, or as the tacit contract between the parties when someone went to work. There was a tacit agreement that his employment be done according to the laws of the Medina. This is in contradistinction to questions of public law, in which uh, the state, let's say, wants to uh, force its laws about taxation, about traffic laws, about other things that are not disputes between two people but are the requirements of the state vis-à-vis a person. Then, of course, the whole argument of Erdogan does not apply. Uh, it could be that it doesn't apply. It could be that the, it is possible to empower such a body to deal with this kind of uh, body of laws that is not against the Torah, is not an alternative to the laws of the Torah, but it's rather an addition. It's almost like kind of a professional tribunal that deals with certain issues. And therefore, I'll say in parenthesis, usually people are very confused uh, about the criticism uh, against the court system. There's a totally different issue about criticism, let's say, of the Israeli Supreme Court the political philosophy or the juris, jurisprudential philosophy of the Israeli Supreme Court, that has nothing to do with the halacha question of erchaot or not. Very often in the media, people take statements, for instance, of Ravavadi Yosef, who says that one should not go to a court to educate your dispute of Dedev uh, uh, and they... Combine that with his criticism against certain decisions of the Israeli court system, one has nothing to do with the other. I would add that in order to defend what I described before as the minhag olam, as the general practice that there are from people who serve both as judges and as lawyers, there is a very uh, intriguing article by Professor Eliyav Shochatman appears in Tchum and Yud Gimel, and also in the article in Shema Torah Mishpat that I mentioned last time, where he tries to find justification for the existence of the present Israeli legal system, at least for people who are not accepting Din Torah, since the state of Israel has to be concerned about having some kind of legal system, and since most people are not interested in Din Torah, so therefore they established an alternative it is legitimate to have an alternative system. That alternative system is for the good of the community. And therefore, for those people who, for whatever reason, are not going to Dintora, it could be simply they personally refuse to go to Din for those people, then, they require both judges and lawyers in order to assist them resolving their conflicts. And that is for the good of the Medina. According to Shorman, it's uh, legitimate for a person to educate a case when the parties are not interested in going to Din Torah. But the parties are, in his opinion, are indeed doing something prohibited by not having recourse to Din Torah. But evident, once they already did not go to Din Torah, then it is legitimate both for a l- lawyer to represent the, one of the parties and it's legitimate for a judge to educate the thing according to the laws of the Medina. Because the Medina was required, was mandated to create a legal system for those people who are not interested in uh, going to the even though those people, again, are violating an isur. Okay, This is a very, I would say, subtle argument, but uh, one has to find some way of justifying the reality, again, where there is a clear dissonance between what seems to be the uh, common halacha mentioned by the postgame and the practice of certainly the great majority of the from community and the from people. And in certain cases, uh, it is known that even people in the Haredi community, Rabbanim, have gone to the Israeli court system in cases when they thought that they would be treated in a more equitable way than in other ways. And The rest is would be anecdotal, and we'll leave that for now. One question, one area that is clearly capable of including within the category of Mishpat HaMelech, is the whole category of criminal law. Regarding criminal law, already there's a letter of Rav Hertog from 1948 where he says, well, I know for a fact that the Rabbani are not interested in creating a system of Batei Din to, de- to deal with criminal law. We're very happy that the Medina create its own rules regarding criminal law. That certainly would validate criminal law as Takanot Kahal. And could indeed also be included as part of Mishpat Melech as part of the authority of the Melech to deal with the good of the community, certainly in view of the words of the Ran. So regarding criminal law and even criminal procedure and even the laws of evidence, criminal law, all these things can be included within Takanot kahal and the various categories of Mishpat Melech and therefore reservations that we occasionally find, for instance, there are reservations about the whole notion of a state's witness. Can someone be considered an aide if he is being given immunity of some type in exchange for his edud? Is that a kosher edud? Uh, but again, if we see this as existing as part of a takana, case can be made that having such an institution is for the good of the community as a whole. And uh, just like uh, I would assume that in criminal law it's legitimate to accept psude in general, and women, or whatever, as part of the Taka so would I would assume that a state's witness also could be included in a Taka if something is done for the good of the community as a whole. Going back to the question of Mishpat HaMelech, there's a much greater question to what extent is the whole category of Malchut, of monarchy, or seeing Medinat Yisrael as an expression of the Jewish statehood, what is the implication of that, and is it helpful to talk in such ways? The prime example of a problem with that issue is the question of the status of non-Jews in a Jewish state. And to what extent can we use the present halacha categories to answer that question? Because we have a specific issur of lo yuchalateh <laughs> ish You're not allowed to appoint a non-Jew as a king, and that's extended by the Rishonim, the post group, to all kinds of serara, all kinds of rulership. And in what way can that be fit with the status of the State of Israel? So this is a question, of course, that came up already in 1948, or actually in 1947, when the whole notion of creating a Jewish state under the auspices of the UN Declaration, to what extent is that legitimate and what extent that can be fit with halakha? So there are all kinds of answers that have g- been given by the post and Those answers themselves, I would say, represent the difficulty in dealing with the realities of a modern state in halacha. In parenthesis, I'll say a lot of these questions have been dealt with by uh, Professor Rav, Professor Jakob blitzstein in uh, an article in Dine Israel many years ago. So the question of how do we justify the service of non-Jews, the election of non-Jews to the Knesset. Uh, in that, uh, how do we justify the giving of sverat to non-Jews? So there are a number of answers in the postgame. For instance, Rav Aldenberg says that since a chaver Knesset does not really have sverat he can really do nothing as an individual. He can only be one of a larger group, and the non-Jewish chaver Knesset are a minority. So therefore, that is not Shara as such, right? It's like Baha'vla, it's hidden within the larger body. Therefore, they can be elected to the Knesset. According to Rav Waldenberg, therefore, it would not be permitted for a non-Jew to be a Tsar. And uh, indeed, uh, we only have, until now as far as I know, only one Khaver Knesset uh, who was not Jewish was for a short time, uh, there was a Druze uh, minister in the, uh, if I remember correctly, in the Barak government. But a sar who has specific executive responsibility, according to Rav Aldenberg, that would be a halachic problem. Rav Israeli in one place says that uh, there's no problem because this isn't sarah like a melech. So, the interesting thing here is, of course, saying that there's no, it's not sarah like a melech because it's not inherited. On one hand, Rav Israeli says that uh, following Rav Kook, that this inherits the entire system of America, that the democ- democracy inherits on block all the rights and uh, 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 powers of a king. And I says, yeah, but it's not really a king. right? It's Begavra, not a king. And since the leader, the ruler, is not Begavra, not a king, so therefore the prohibition of having a non-Jew does not apply. In a similar vein, Rav Herzog says it's not like a king because it's temporary. Since the elected official is only elected for a temporary period, it's not Ksvera and it's not considered like a melech. So here also we have to distinguish. On one hand, the collective regime has the powers of a melech. On the other hand, each individual, Begavra, is not considered a melech. The most radical way of justifying this thing is in an article of Rav Yisraeli, and again... Surprisingly, Rav Israeli here deviates from his o- approach in general that emphasizes the fact that the Medina is Malchut and hints at the fact that there could be far-reaching applications to the principle of Malchut. Instead, he says as follows, and this appears in Amur Ay-Mini, page 138. He says that, we don't have to think here of the body of the Medina as a... מלכות, but rather as a partnership. Nirpasut shekeshem she'em yesh mishutafli mesutaf le'yehudim ve'lo'chem, efshar sadar halukat tafkidim beinim, kmochen beshutfut hagdola yoter she'nihul ir Umdina Ein mistaneh ha'tochen ha'yesodi shel zchut veinam ve'einam era So what does Rav Yisraeli say? He says, basically, this whole notion of seeing the Medina as something that is established as Malchut Yisrael. And all the rules that have to do with Malchut Yisrael apply to the Medina. And that includes the prohibition of empowering non-Jews as part of that Malchut. He says, no, we're not really talking about a Malchut. He doesn't say we're not talking about Malchut. But the model that he presents is a model of partnership. Now, as he says, what we have here is a group of people who have combined together to create a Medina, and they have agreed to distribute the powers between them in a democratic way. Or we could say, in fact, at least following that, is that what happened on Hei Yartav was not the reinstitution of Malchut Israel as such, because the, the people who declared the formation of the state of Israel, even though the people who did it were the representatives of Am Yisrael, or at least part of Am Yisrael, nevertheless, they declared the establishment of a state that will be created and be run by the principles of liberal democracy, giving all people equal rights. It's not that there is a malchut and that malchut now has to deal with the problem of the nations of the world. Will they accept or not the fact that we discriminate against non-Jews? That is one answer. There some people who say, okay, the only reason that we give these rights to non-Jews is because Mishum Eva, Mishum Darke Shalom. Rav Herzog writes that in one of his places. But in a deeper sense, and again, that's following on what Ravi Israeli says, in a deeper sense, we're saying the, the very institution we're talking about, the State of Israel, was not established as Malchut Israel, but it was established as a joint venture in which there is a notion of citizenship. The notion of citizenship does not exist in the halachic literature, and certainly citizenship that is equal for all uh, citizens. By the way, there's a whole question of Gerim if we accept the notion of the prohibition of Swarov, appointing for Swarov, first of all, there are opinions that both parents have to be Jews. In other words, even someone whose mother is a Jew and father is not a Jew, it could be that it should not be a melech, and what exactly is a melech today? Could the president of the state be such a person? We run into all kinds of problems. In an article in Tchumin, Kerech Gimel, by Rav Yehuda who who's written a lot about these things, he comes to the conclusion that any uh, public position that a person has a responsibility, can make final decisions, that person, uh, is th- such positions, even let's say in the army, should only be by someone whose mother is Jewish. In other words, if we have someone, and again today we have such people, who whose father was Jewish and he underwent giur according to Rav Zoldin, such a person should not be appointed to positions of authority anywhere in the army or in the government, the mere fact that such conclusions seem to be clearly at odds with the reality in the state of Israel and clearly are unacceptable for the great majority of the population of the state of Israel, that perhaps leads us to think that there is a really something deficient in the way that halacha has dealt with all these issues until now. The fact that Halakha has not confronted the basic ground rules of the modern state. We perhaps have to create new halachic definitions in order to deal with them. So both, and this whole notion of seeing the state of Israel as nothing but the institution of the laws of the malchut as they appear in Hilchot Melachim, maybe that also is not sufficient. Maybe we have to do a lot more work to think about exactly what are the halachot that should govern this new kind of political organization that Chazal and the Rishonim were not familiar with. Next time, we'll deal with the function that is perhaps the most important one of the Melech as far as we're concerned today, and of course also appears in the request of the nation for Shmuel for a Melech, the authority of the king regarding issues of war and peace, those are things we'll start talking about next time.
0: You have been listening to KMTT Kimitsi on And once again, I wish to remind you that this is KMTT Appreciation Drive Week, and we're waiting to hear from you. Phone number in New York, 212 732 4874, and in Eretz Israel, 052 545 6023. Call to.